Blog Talk Radio. Challenging, thought-provoking, insightful. This is the Ninja Pastor with Sunday's God in Country with Dr. Sean. Hosted by nationally known speaker, Reverend Dr. Sean Michael Greener. Not your typical reverend. Dr. Sean is a proud U.S. military veteran, former law enforcement officer, founder of the internationally regarded executive protection team. Through his riveting national speaking, this ninja pastor tells it like it is. This show is biblically and politically engaged in the battle to save our country, with a pedal to the metal, with this Sunday's edition of Sundays with Dr. Sean. Buckle up. Here's your host, the author of the critically acclaimed book, Excellence Killed the Church, How Mediocrity is Destroying America, Reverend Dr. Sean, the Ninja Pastor, with today's message. All right, hope that's working. I'm sorry for everybody trying to uh, trying to listen in, and it's not working, and all this stuff. And we're gonna just we're gonna just uh, try to make it happen here, see what happens, and move forward. So this show is dedicated to two of my great friends, um, Eric, a buddy I grew up with since uh, kindergarten. We've known each other since kindergarten in cancer, and then also uh, my other buddy Chris. Now the word on Chris was that his tumor markers were way up. And then he went and got looked at after his Whipple procedure just this week and found out that it's a false marker because his bile duct or something was closed or clogged or, or something was up with that. So that's good news. That means he can start chemo, uh, up chemo sooner rather than later. And you'll understand as I go here why this is um, – why this is dedicated to both of them. We also pray a special prayer for Don, our, our buddy here, not feeling up to snuff, and also for Carson and Jerry and Joe and Bob. They're all kind of struggling with sickness. But thank you so much for your patience and for hanging in with us. So today, uh, the title of the sermon is, Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me. Am I blind enough to see? A blind beggar on the side of a busy street on the outskirts of town shouted this out to Jesus. But what was he asking for? The dictionary definition of mercy is compassion for an offender, lenience, and sympathy. Was that what he expected you to think? What do you think? Did he expect leniency? How many times have you been at this place in your life, a place so desperate, so in need, so at the end of yourself, literally at the end of yourself, you got nothing left to give, that you cried out to Jesus, literally cried out to Jesus? In the natural, you had nowhere else to go. You had no one else to go to because you are a Christian. You had Jesus. You have Jesus. And you have an expectation of the definition of biblical mercy, which is this, compassion and love. Not just the feelings and emotions, but their expression in tangible ways. We're going to talk today about the blind beggar of Jericho, Bartimaeus, and about mercy and healing and wholeness. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And many rebuked him, telling him to be silent. But he cried out all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. And Yeshua stopped and said, call him. And they called the blind man, saying to him, take heart, get up, he is calling you. And throwing off his cloak, 
he sprang up and came to Yeshua. And Yeshua said to him, What do you want me to do for you? And the blind man said to him, Rabbi, let me cover my sight. And Yeshua said to him, Go your way, your faith has made you well. And immediately he recovered his sight and followed him on the way. That's Mark 10. 49 through 52 in the ESV, uh, English Standard Version. I'm going to read another version here in a second. There's a couple things I, I want to point out to you uh, on this. Is This is the first time, I'll talk more about this in a second, but this is the first time we know who this person is that's healed. We know the name of it. There's some healings that we know of, but this is special. There's something really powerful and special about the healing, the blind beggar Bartimaeus his healing and being made whole. There's a couple other things in here I, I wonder have ever jumped out at you, and that is, first um, well, it's very messianic, the son of David. That's acknowledging him as the Messiah. A blind beggar could see that. And then Yeshua stopped and said, call him. So he had to do something. This blind guy, you would think, a blind beggar, people come, you put the, the cup out, and hopefully people are going to uh, put the you know, put the money in. But Yeshua called him and said, call him. Call the blind man saying to him, take heart, get up. So now do something else. Do something else. He threw off his cloak. Can you imagine how excited he was? You don't throw off your cloak and get up and do all these things if you don't truly and fully believe, this is my healing. Anyway, it'll be fun to delve into this a little bit. But Yeshua asked him, what do you want me to do for you? What do you want me to do for you? Do you think maybe blind Bartimaeus, the blind beggar, might have said, hey, isn't it obvious? You know, I'm not looking to get a look and I'm, I don't, I'm not going to come to you if you hang now. I, I kind of would like to see the world. And the blind man said, Rabbi, let me recover my sight. What does that tell us? The word recover. There was a time where he was able to see before. So folks, he knew how desperate his situation was. Can you imagine? Look, if you're born blind, you've never seen, your situation is desperate enough. But if you saw the world and you were able to navigate the world, now all of a sudden your world is dark. You need recovery. Yeshua said, go your way. Your faith has made you well. Wow. Do you have the kind of faith that would heal you? There's so many people listening. Well, there might not be anybody listening because who knows if this thing is even working. We're good? Okay, awesome. Uh, thank you to all my little, my little stations out there that people are listening and reporting back. I appreciate that. Immediately, he recovered his sight and followed him on the way. That's why we're followers of the way. We're people of the book. The New Testament writers echo the Old Testament belief that mercy belongs to God. That's talked about in 2 Corinthians 1.3, James 5.11, and that this resource of mercy is inexhaustible. It's talked about the inexhaustibility of the mercy. is talked about in Ephesians 2.4. And for this reason, people can confidently cry out to God for mercy in time of need. We have examples of that in Luke 18.13, 2 Timothy 1.16, 2 Timothy 1.18. Matthew 15.22 and 17.15. Look, you say there's not proof. I don't know if I can believe this, but you can because there's lots of evidence. Lots and lots of evidence for it. God's mercy is displayed in the ministry of Christ. The great acts of mercy shown by God to the people of Israel found intimate expression 
in the ministry of Christ. The pattern he set, however, was not a new one. This wasn't a new thing, for he simply worked out the mercy of God at the human level. This is seen most clearly in his acts of healing. Such a supernatural thing, but yet it's so human what he did and how he did it. Cleanse the legion of demons. The healed man is told to return home and declare the mercy that God has shown him. This is Mark 5.19. The man had received from God in that account without even asking. Others who beseeched Jesus to heal them or people with various afflictions knew that what they requested was for God to be merciful. Matthew fifteen twenty two seventeen fifteen Mark ten forty seven through forty eight Luke seventeen thirteen and invariably Yeshua was merciful. Mercy was manifested in practical help, not simply as a consoling message or that God was sympathetic with their plight. Just like today, you guys have driven around. You drive around, and and I don't know how much you notice, but when you come up to a busy intersection. What do you see? A lot of times, you see in the little median area there, you see somebody that is begging for money. We don't call it begging anymore, do we? What do we call it? Panhandling? There's other things that we call it, but you don't hear the term beggar. Oh, that's a beggar. You see people in all kinds of different uh, situations. Now, when I was a police officer, I investigated a guy who made over $300,000 a year way back then doing that. He was actually from New Jersey. He lived in a half a million dollar house back then. Uh, in New Jersey, he drove a, a, a Mercedes-Benz that he had parked around the corner. He had a little sack. He put his clothes in. He was as fake as fake, fake could get. We busted him, and we charged him with very serious crimes. That's how he made his living. Not all of them are real and true. They're not authentic. Not all of them. In fact, many of them have some other issues going on, and many of them aren't telling the truth. But the fact of the matter is, the ones that are real probably go to those same busy intersections. You probably drive by these every day, and you see You see, those who beg choose the busiest thoroughfares to position themselves in. You don't go to some place that's desolate, right? You go where there's lots of people. They need to be seen by as many people as possible, these beggars. Many Jews met in Jericho before traveling to Jerusalem because of the convenience of the way. It's a good timing to stop there. And they, when they traveled, the Jews traveled to to, uh, Jerusalem for the Passover celebrations. This was the road leaving Jericho was a great place. It was a popular spot. For beggars, And it's also safe to say that Bartimaeus had heard talk of Yeshua as he sat by the edge of the road. Right, as he's sitting there, you, you, you surely hear what people are talking about. You can't see him, but you sure as anything can hear him. I'll talk more about that in a second. In New Testament times, beggars were usually the blind, the maimed, or the diseased. Thus, blind Bartimaeus sat by the highway side begging. That's talked about in Mark 10, 46. The impotent man was carried... Whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called beautiful, to ask alms of them that entered into the temple. That's Acts 3 2. The beggar Lazarus, who was diseased, was laid at the gate of a certain rich man, Luke 16, 19, and 20. Thus did the needy ones, these needy ones, ask alms of those who passed their way. In Jewish culture, however, and that's important to understand, we're dealing with Jewish culture here, having to or being cursed with blindness or some other infirmity was in fact seen as a curse. The most common belief was you're a sinner. What sin, what unconfessed sin do you have? Maybe it's you that's the sinner. Maybe it's your parents. But somebody along here made you blind because of your sin or their sin. Maybe he did something wrong. When the, when the blind beggar persists in calling out to Jesus, he's defying his place and identity. 
How many of you uh, watch the show Downton Abbey? I'm an absolute addict of that show now. I'm binge watching. I'm I'm just so in the show. It's such excellent television. It's so well acted out. But one thing that's made clear in this is everybody has their place, and you're not to violate those places. But some of the challenges you have are when uh, people come from the servant side of things and through different circumstances end up in the hoity-toity side of things. You go from the downstairs to the upstairs. It's a big deal. Knowing your place is an important thing. Sometimes we just don't know our place, and sometimes we shouldn't know our place. We shouldn't focus on that. Because here's the thing. Even no one else treated him like a person, a real person. Bartimaeus, the blind beggar, defied his place and his identity. You're just a blind beggar. You're not to speak to us. Instead, he is expecting to be treated as a person by Jesus. As may be inferred from Psalm 59.15, compare 109.10, where Yahweh is besought that the children of the wicked may be cursed with beggary, in contradistinction with the children of the righteous who have never had to ask for bread. Psalm 37, 25, I have been young and now I am old, and yet I have not seen the righteous forsaken, neither his seed asking, or English versions, begging bread. For the Hebrew expression corresponding to begging, they shall wander up and down for food. Let me not wander, Psalm 119, 10 reads. Begging and almstaking is denounced in Jewish literature. The first clear denunciation of beggary and almsgiving in Jewish culture is found in Ecclesiastes 40:28-30. I mentioned this to emphasize why the crowd with Yeshua tried to shut Bartimaeus up. So now you understand the background. These people aren't to speak, not to they're not to speak up. In fact, to such a degree this was the case that he was a Bartimaeus was a source of shame and embarrassment. Shame and embarrassment and eyesore. Did Bartimaeus care? When you get to the point of desperation and utter need, do you care anymore how it looks? Do you care anymore that you're crossing over lines, social lines, different things that maybe you're not supposed to? Or do you reach out to the one source that you have left, the one thing left? What is the old saying? You don't realize how good God is until God's all you got left? that. I'm sure it's a much better saying than what I just massacred. The one source that you have left, do you expect and trust that your need will not only be heard, but met? Bartimaeus was given a name in the Bible. Few If you look in the Bible, few recipients of healing are. God knows you by name. This is what this means. God knows you by name. He has the hairs, the, which for me is an easier task, the hairs on your head numbered. Now I'm going to read the passage again. Yeshua stopped and said, call him over. They called to the blind man. Courage, get up. He's calling for you. Throwing down his blanket, he jumped up and came over to Yeshua. What do you want me to do for you? Asked Yeshua. The blind man said to him, Rabbi, let me be able to see again. Yeshua said to him, go, your trust has healed you. Instantly, he received his sight and followed him. On the road. That's Mark 10, 49 through 52 in the Complete Jewish Bible. You see, this humble man is an example of what we would hope every seeker and every follower of Christ might become. In the lonely and perpetual darkness of his blindness, the sorrow and struggle 
of his deep, deep poverty. He thought and became persuaded that Yeshua was the son of David. You understand now, of course, since I told you, and you probably knew anyway, the son of David designation that he gave to Yeshua was indeed a messianic acknowledgement. Isn't that something? So many other people with perfect sight, maybe they there's nothing wrong with them physically, so many things in their life are perfect, and yet walked with Yeshua and they didn't know. It took a blind man. Poor, poor blind man to see Yeshua for who he was. Isn't that interesting? I wonder if we've ever found ourselves there. There's a song. I wonder if you've ever heard it. I won't sing it, but I'll just read it. I know not why God's wondrous grace to me he hath made known, nor why unworthy Christ in love redeemed me for his own. I know in whom I have believed, and I am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I've committed unto him against that day. I know not how this saving faith to me he did impart, nor how believing in his word wrought peace within my heart. I know not how the Spirit moves, convincing us of sin, revealing Jesus through the word, creating faith in him. I know not what of good or ill may be reserved for me. Of weary ways or his face I see. I know not when my Lord may come at night, or a noonday fair, nor if I walk the veil with him, or meet him in the air. Though the blind, hopeless beggar had no sight, no money, a life of utter poverty, utter worthlessness in a sighted society, he made good use of his hearing. If we have not all, this is a British saying, if we have not all gifts of our good function, let us use those which we have, which are the best you know what they say, a sightless person hears with perfection, a deaf person sees like an eagle. This blind, hopeless beggar sought the Lord under any and all great discouragements. Folks, is there a worse discouragement? Look, I can't see. I need someone to take me and sit me somewhere for the day. So I hope that someone comes by and gives me money or food or sustenance. Remember this about that. No one prompted his seeking. He didn't have to be told or conjured into seeking Christ to find his healing. He just set his mind to finding the healer and being healed. He didn't lack discipline or resolve. Think also this about that. Many opposed his attempts. The path was by no means easy. Not only was he blind, not only was he poor, but the scriptures say, many charged him that he should hold his peace. In other words, they said, shut up, dude. You don't be talking to Jesus. Many folks stood in his way. And you know what? I'm here to tell you, today in your life, many folks who just might vigorously claim to love you will in fact stand in your way. Under the illusion of loving you or acting for your own good, the well-wishers might say a little something like this. Hey, man, you know it's cool. You're a believer and all that. You've been jacked up for such a long time. Maybe this is how you're supposed to be. Here's another thing to think about. For a while, he was unheeded by the Lord himself. The Lord Yeshua didn't immediately respond to him. The blind beggar had to be resolved. Folks, you can't ask like a wimp. You can't ask a pot. 
energetically. You can't, you can't, this beggar couldn't be a soft quitter. He couldn't be a wimpy whiner. He had every reason in the world to quit when Yeshua didn't respond immediately. He was blind, but he didn't quit. He pursued Yeshua until his healing. He pursued until. Here's another thing to think about. He was but a blind beggar, and this alone might have, as the British say, checked some pleaders. Listen to me right here. Now, there were few people more truly destitute than a blind beggar. And in this time, in this region of the world, you were worthless. You were nobody. Lots and lots of people would have quit life long before this point, even in this day and age. Even in this day and age, blindness, number one, number one uh, part of society per cap of blind folks, commit suicide at a higher rate than anybody else. Because it's dark, it's hopeless, it's sad. And we have so many things available. Even today, imagine then. They didn't have Braille. They didn't have... No one paid any attention to you. You were nothing. You were worthless. You were just this thing alongside the road. Nobody cared because you were... Not only were you blind, but you were also a sinner. You were also a sinner. This is what they thought. With all of our to help the blind and the poor, most of us, if we're being honest, if we're being real with ourselves, would sit in our dark corners and we would wait to die. But see, this is an entirely different thing. Life in this area, the already challenging part of the world, at this time and circumstance, being blind, anything. If, if you were blind and you, had, you came from a wealthy family, it was still the worst possible thing you could imagine to happen to you, to lose your sight. Had he received encouragement. This encouragement came from the Lord Yeshua's commanding him to be called. He said, call him. Call him. There's several kinds of calls which come to us at the bidding of the Lord. I'm going to tell you what some of them are. There is the universal call. Yeshua is lifted up that all who look upon him may live. That's John 3, 1, 4. And, uh, and then here's another one. Just as Moshe lifted up the servant in the Desert, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, so that everyone who trusts in Him may have eternal life. John three fourteen and fifteen. The gospel is preached to every creature. That's an eternal call. That's one type of call. How about another type of call? The character call to those who labor and are heavy laden. Many are the gospel promises which call the sinful, the mourning, the weary to Yeshua. In Isaiah fifty five, let the wicked person abandon his and the evil person his thought. Let him return to Adonai, and he will have mercy on him. Let him return to our God, for he will freely forgive. Isaiah 55, 7, Matthew eleven twenty eight. Come to me, all of you who are struggling and burdened, and I will give you rest. Acts 2, 38, um, and, and we'll see, 38 and 39. Kepha answered them, Turn from sin, Kepha is Peter, um, Kepha would be his actual name, uh, turn from sin, return to God, and each of you will be immersed on the authority of Yeshua, the Messiah, into forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of Ruach HaKodesh, which is the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you, for your children, and for those far away, as many as Adonai God may call. Remember, that's Acts 2, 38 and 39. That's uh, the complete Jewish Bible. There's another 
type of call, the ministerial call given by the Lord's sent servants and so backed by his authority. Acts 13.26. There's a bunch here. I'll read them to you. Brothers, sons of Abraham, Abraham, and those among you who are God-fearers, it is to us that the message of this deliverance has been sent. Therefore, brothers, let it be known to you man is proclaimed forgiveness of sins. That is, God clears everyone who puts his trust in this man, even in regard to all things concerning which you could not be cleared by the Torah of Moshe. Here's another thing to think about just for fun, but encouragement did not make the blind beggar content. No, he still shot. Look, how many times have you had people try to give you encouragement? Right? Your situation is bad, and they come to you and you know, it could be worse. I have a friend of mine who's very, very ill, just very, very ill. And people have the nerve to go to this person and say, as bad as the situation is, yeah, but it could be worse. It could be worse. Are you kidding me? Listen, sometimes we can't stop there. And the blind beggar, Bartimaeus, he didn't stop. The encouragement might have been enough. Oh, that's a crumb. That's a great crumb from the Savior. He already acknowledged that this is Yeshua Hamashiach. This is the Messiah walking by. This is the one we've all been waiting for. Listen, we all wait. Return of the Messiah, right? But but the ones who have it all together, the ones who have a home and have clothing and food and all of these things and heat and cooling for their home and a car drive and all these things that we have, we've got our stuff together, right? We're enough. How much more eager might blind beggar Bartimaeus be if your life is so sad and forlorn that thing that comes to you speaking of God through his son Yeshua to you is precious. And yet, you know what? We might stop there. A lesser person might stop there and go, well, I've gotten more than I had before. So maybe I stop here. But to stop short of Yeshua and healing would have been folly for Bartimaeus. Folly indeed. How many of us stop short of our healing? How many of us draw into fear and doubt and retreat instead of leaning hard into God? Instead of leaning hard into God, we stop. We say, that's good enough. That's far enough. That's all I deserve. That's all I can expect. Instead of leaning hard into God, trusting the Kodesh or the Holy Spirit right before God provides that which we so desperately need for so long, we stop. Because it's so challenging to our faith to push through, to not stop at the encouragement, to keep the faith. For how long? Until. Until. My friend Chris, I can tell you, Chris and Eric are both very, very, um, they're just very strong believers. Their faith is core faith. Nobody handed it to them. They 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 were raised uh, to be people of, of faith. They were given the faith, but they took it to a much deeper level. They took it deeper, and, and, they, and they made it part of fiber and the character of who they are. And now they're fighting these really terrible things. Well, you don't get much more awful than cancer. Multiple myeloma is, is a horrible disease. Pancreas cancer is a horrible disease. My friend Eric has had multiple bone marrow uh, transplants. Stem cell rescue is the actual term for it. He's had multiple of those. He has given 90 days to live a few years ago. 
and he's been fighting hard ever since. And I get to go down and see him and spend time with him. I purposed, I made a decision that, you know, I just buried a good friend of mine in high school, not a super close friend, but a close enough friend that I remember saying hello and seeing her smiling face. Tracy Labrette died of cancer, brain cancer, diagnosed in August, dead just a month ago, 50 years old. So many people at such a young age. Uh, this have you been reading of Rory Feek and the the couple? They're they're uh, country music singers and Christian strong Christian people. And this this she's dying of cancer. They've documented the whole thing and just such amazing people of faith. And I love what she said. She's when she was interviewed. One of the few interviews, the interviewer said, "I have to confess, I don't have the faith you have." I'm struggling so hard to sit here next to you, see such a truly good person going through such suffering. How in the world do you pray for healing when things are so dire? And she said, I know that the Father will heal me completely one day, one way or another. He's going to heal me. That may sound like a consolation to a lot of people, but she understands. I have been made whole in the presence of the Father. Glory to God. And upon his holy name and his holy face we see, we are cleansed of all the troubles of earth. But I'm here to tell you, I know that we can be healed of our hurts, habits, and hang-ups, our ills here on earth. We can. Does that mean everybody gets healed? But because everybody doesn't get healed, we, we, cannot, we, we can't do what the world does and not only not lean hard, to Jesus, kind of lean back, kind of lean back and say, well, I can't expect, I'm, I'm the guiltiest among us, because I never think I deserve anything good. It's a shame, but true, and it's something that I have to work on every single day. Why would God fix it for such a worm as I? There's a song about that. Maybe I'll read that next week if I can remember. The other thing we have to remember is he arose, hopefully. Resolutely, he resigned, mm, come on, he resigned, begging posture. He changed the way he was sitting. He drew up, he cast his cloak aside, stand in the light, capital L. Sometimes we have to change our physical bodies to reflect our true heart, deep belief that God to whom we pray is not only capable of healing our hurts, habits, and hang-ups, but also he will. Sometimes in order to fully believe that, we have to change our posture from apologetic and quitting and conciliatory and begging to stand tall, to change our posture, to change our position, to physically change from sorrowful, perpetually sorrowful, into saved by the king. Sometimes, in order to receive salvation, we have to be on the highest alert and in standing in earnest. We have to decide, we have to resolve, and then we have to stand. Here's something else to remember. He cast away his garment and every hindrance. Sometimes we have to throw away that thing that hinders us. Our righteousness, our comfortable sin, our hurt, our habit, our hang-up, anything, everything dragging us down. We must quit for Christ. Sometimes we are our own limitation. Sometimes the hurts, habits, and hang-ups that we keep heaping upon ourselves are what keep us. They're what keep us from our healing. 
because they're like our blankie, our comfort. We we wrap it around us and say, this is who I am. This is who I'm comfortable being. We have to cast that. We have to change our situation. Not only do we have to stand, but to change our physical posture. We have to cast off those things that hinder us, everything dragging us down. We have to quit for Christ. Here's another thing to think about. He came to Yeshua. In the dark brought about by his blindness, he followed the Savior's voice. Oh, that we would listen to the Savior's voice. But no, we don't. We're not blind. We have the word that we can read. We have cars that we can drive. And if we don't have a car that we can drive, we can take a bus for a small amount of money or a train. And we can go to, or we can ask a friend that has a car. And we can go to the church. We can worship and say, hey, maybe I can't, but can you read the scripture to me? We can press play on our on our modern devices and we can actually have scripture read to us. We don't even have to read anymore. This guy had none of that. Bartimaeus, blind, beggar, poor Bartimaeus had none of that. But what did he have? He had his hearing. But in order to hear, you have to listen. And in order to listen properly, you have to know what to listen for. And he knew. All I need do is listen to the Savior's voice. He is speaking to you. Listen, no one could question this great limitation of blind Bartimaeus. No one could. He was blind. There was no question about it. No one could question the great severity of his condition, which would have prevented most from ever pursuing anything but a full beer's cup. But the difference is, he knew not he knew not the struggle of personal challenge of hope and faith. He only knew, I can't see, I'm poor, I'm blind, but I know enough to know that a full beggar's cup is not what I need. What I need is to follow that voice which leads to the Savior, which leads to the kingdom, which leads to my healing and the change of my life forever. Because you know what? As I throw off this cloak, what else can I do? Once he heals me, he was sure. Once he heals me, everything changes. That's the thing, you see. We get a healing, or God will heal a situation. He will give us what we've asked for for so long. And then at the end, when someone comes up to us and says, hey, that's so awesome that this great thing happened, and then what do we do? We spend a whole lot of time going, yeah, that is great, but yeah, I mean, but now really hard things coming, and now we have to overcome this challenge. Like, what am I going to do? What am, you know, what do I do for fear? God opens up all these things. He does all these things for us. Oh, I need a home. Boom, I have a home. Well, but it's not. I do it. I do this. Listen, I'm as guilty as anyone else in the world of this. Why? Because we're short-sighted. Why are we so short-sighted? Because we're not blind enough to see. We're not blind enough to see that he is our hope, our full hope. Full beggar's cup. Sometimes we think, oh, if I just had a little bit more money, that'll fix everything. If I just had a little bit more money, that'll fix everything. I'll tell you, this money is rarely the problem. Not for nothing, but this blind beggar, he saw the true riches in Yeshua. Here's something else for you to think about. He stated his case, Lord, that I might receive my sight. He was clear. This was the, I say this all the time, it's one of my copyrighted sayings, the why behind the try. 
the why behind his try. He knew, I'm going to this place. Yeshua might come by. I'm going to be there. And when he does, when I, when I hear his voice, I'm going to speak out to him. And I'll probably get yelled at. People will probably stand in my way and go, Ooh, don't look at the beggar. Don't look at the beggar. Meh, sinner, sinner, sinner. Let's get away from him. But I'm going to scream loudly so he can hear me. He made his goal clear to Yeshua. He knew in whom he believed and that he was able. You see, we we cry out to Jesus with whimpers when we don't truly believe that he can fix it. We don't believe that the one to whom we speak can truly fix it. I say it all the time, hesitant faith is no faith at all. This is something we can figure out here just by reading this passage. He received salvation. Yeshua said to him, come on, thy faith has made thee whole. We know what this means. Have never thought of this? He did not just give him sight. That's all this man was asking for, this blind Bartimaeus. All he was asking for, this beggar, this person at the lowest end of earth, the lowest station, he was only asking for sight. You say, Ninja Pastor, Dr. Sean, bro, a lot. He's asking for sight. You see, but to this man, it wasn't the biggest thing he could get. But because he believed that Yeshua could take later, what was that? Thy faith has made thee whole. We know now this means your faith in the Messiah, the Son of David, the acknowledgement of the messianic station and place that Jesus Christ, Yeshua HaMashiach, the one whose voice he heard and now whose face he sees, is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And I was healed by him. And he gave to me more than my sight. He gave to me. He told me, I am whole. He obtained perfect eyesight. And in all respects, he was in complete health. But he was no longer bound with dis-ease. He was no longer limited by lack of sight or any other limitation. Here's something that's important to know. Having found Yeshua, what did he do? He kept him. He used his sight to see his Lord. He sought to see only one thing. His goal was clear. Recover my sight. The difference is because Yeshua knew that he knew he was the Messiah and he believed without question that when he gave this man, the blind beggar Bartimaeus, his sight, that he would look upon him as his Savior and Lord. He became his avowed disciple. If you look at verse 52, the blind beggar, now no longer bound by blindness, became an intense follower of the way. No matter where the path went, no matter where the path went, no matter where the journey was to, there was no journey that was too great. There was no challenge too great. He was going. I'm coming. You've healed me, and I'm going to tell everybody along the way. This is the crazy thing. I want you to think about this. How many people like Bartimaeus, they existed in this world 
of question and struggle and who is the Messiah? Where is the Messiah? When is he coming? Is anybody going to help us from this terrible oppression? And yet here he is coming along and this guy gets healed. This blind beggar gets healed, not only of his lack of sight, not only of his poverty, but he gets healed. He walks everywhere Yeshua walks. And he tells everybody, I'll tell you what he did for me. How many healings have happened in your life that you told the story maybe once or twice half-heartedly because you don't want to be looked at as a weirdo and you stop telling the story because you say, eh, I don't know, it's kind of, uh, won't freak you out. And we stop telling of the wondrous story of Jesus. This man, he never stopped. He went with Yeshua on his way to the cross and to the crown. No matter where the path went, no matter what, how many of us are prepared to follow Yeshua? No matter what, no matter where. How many of us? How many of us, the first challenge that we encounter, we stop. We say, whoa, maybe I'll revert to what the world knows. Maybe I'll revert to what seems easy. Maybe I'll revert what seems to be the most acceptable plan according to the world, what seems most reasonable, what seems most achievable in my life and in my heart, what's most concrete, what I can see. With my eyes, maybe the issue is we are too we we are too sighted to see. Maybe we need to be made blind in our faith to truly receive our salvation. Maybe that's the deal. Glory to God that we could have blindness that we see through the darkness into the light. Capital L. Glory to God that we we have been given a path. All of us here that are listening. We've been given a path through the scripture and through prayer, through communication with God directly through Jesus his son. Many of the challenges this man faced. He wasn't going to nothing was going to stop him. He became an avowed disciple of Christ no matter where. No matter where the journey, no matter how difficult, all the way to the cross. He remained a well-known disciple, Bartimaeus, whose father's name was given. He was revered. He was honored. He went from being a beggar, a poor, blind beggar with nothing and no one on his side, no one in his corner, no hope of anything. And he was healed by the words of Christ, passing by, a following, if I just get along his path, I will encounter him. I'll call out to him, and he will heal me. Most of us are afraid to go to the busy intersection because we don't want to look stupid. And you know what the crazy thing about this faith life that we have now? We don't have to go to a busy intersection to plead our case before God. We can do it right where we sit. We don't have to go to some fancy place like a church. We have to go to some. We don't have to have a radio show. We don't have to have any things. We can, before God, at any point in time, call out, Father. Father. This guy, this guy did that. He was blind enough to see. He did that. He became a well-known disciple. We know for a fact he was revered and honored. 
and commanded him to be called. By this circumstance, he administered reproof and instruction. Reproof by ordering those to help the poor man who had endeavored to check him. Instruction by teaching us that though he does not stand in need of our help, he will not dispense with our services, that we are to aid each other. That though we cannot recover our fellow creatures, we may frequently bring them to the place and the means of cure. William J. said that. Let me read this to you. Success in this world comes only to those who exhibit determination. Can we hope for salvation unless our mind is truly set upon it? Grace makes a man to be as resolved to be saved as this beggar was to get Yeshua and gain his I must see him, said an applicant at the door of a public person. You cannot see him, said the servant. The man waited at the door. A friend went out to him and said, Look, you can't see the master, but I can give you an answer. No, said the unfortunate pleader. I will stay all night on the doorstep, but I will see the man himself. He alone will serve my turn. You do not wonder that after many rebuffs, he ultimately gained his point. It would be an infinitely greater wonder if an importunate sinner did not obtain an audience from the Lord Yeshua. If you must have grace, you shall have it. If you must, you shall have it. If you will not be put off, you shall not be put off, whether things look favorable or unfavorable. Press on until you find Yeshua, and you shall find him. Spurgeon spoke those words such a long time ago, and so powerful they are. Spurgeon spoke these words and said, look, maybe your thing is that you don't try hard enough. We think all the time the trying is the acts, the things that we do. I have a friend of mine that was just at a, a sporting event and telling me about the ladies around them. They were using all church language and you couldn't barely make out what they were saying because it was so churchy. They were so churchy, you know, you just couldn't make out heads or tails. Well, what are they saying? And they were so pious. They were being so pious about the children. Well, they're so-and-so is pure and so-and-so is pure. My son, well, my daughter's very pure. My daughter is, oh, of course she's pure. It didn't work out, but she didn't give herself to the fella. Now that's, you know, I know that for sure. She remained pure so she can hold her head up high and use all the church terms and all that surrounding it. Wrapped it in a pretty nice bow. Wow, how churchy. Who do you think we're trying to convince? A lot of times we think that we have to take this cloak upon us Right? The cloak that it talked about in the passage, he threw his cloak off. Bartimaeus threw his cloak off. He got rid of the encumbrances that were upon him. Sometimes it's the air of piety that we take upon ourselves. That is the thing that chokes out our faith the most because we're so afraid of looking a certain way. We're so afraid of not being viewed as Christian enough. We're so afraid of someone looking at us and saying, oh, there's a chink in their armor. I'll take a sharp circle on my chinks in my armor for you. I'll tell you, look, this is it. This is all you get. Sorry, it's not any better than this. I'll be covered in Sharpie. That'll be my armor. Hopefully Sharpie stops bullets, right? 
So here's the thing. Here's the crazy thing. So many of us put this cloak upon our bodies and we say we got to look a certain way, got to sound a certain way. We got to pretend to be a certain thing. But guess what? We're not. We're not that certain thing. We are as fake as fake can get when we venture outside that personal conversation with Christ. When we venture outside that language that truly propels us. And a great pastor and friend, he's been a great friend for a long time, since he was a very young boy. And he became a great pastor, and he, he really should be a professor in a seminary, very, very high-brow seminary. He's just an old country boy from Memphis, Tennessee, but let me tell you what. He's got one of the greatest minds I think I've ever experienced, and uh, really super, super guy. And, and one day I was mentoring him, not that he asked for it, but I was mentoring him. And his every church he was ever pastor of, it seemed to do okay, and then it started to fall apart. And and I said, well, let me listen to some of your sermons. Give me your what you think are your best sermons. Send them to me, and, and I'll listen to them, and, and I'll just see if I can detect anything. And this country boy, very smart country boy, but country boy nonetheless, from way down south, in the deep south, it went from talking like a good old country boy as soon as he started preaching to become almost like an Englishman, schooled in the halls of Oxford or Cambridge. And he would read scripture with this lilt and lilt to his tongue that didn't sound authentic. And so I merely typed it and, and told him the first time we could have a conversation one-on-one, I said, listen. And I, in fact, I autographed his Bible and I said, pray in the voice that God gave you. That voice that you pray when you're alone. The words that you use when you're alone and no one else is around. Use those words when you preach. Use that tone when you preach, when you're crying out to God yourself for your own healing of your hurts, habits, hang up. Stop using some voice that God himself doesn't even recognize as belonging to you. Be real. Be authentic. That's what's tripping people up, I believe, is we're all trying to look apart. We need to be authentic. The problem is I don't think that we all are blind enough. Let me say this as we close uh, I've I've had the good fortune to be friends or knowing some really great people in my lifetime. Um, it's just for whatever reason I just am very blessed, very blessed. You know, deserving of my own. But this Friday we're gonna have a show on Monday. We got all this technical stuff fixed up, and we'll have a show on Monday. I don't know what it's gonna be about. It'll be tomorrow at 4 p.m. I'll go live, even if I have to crank a little little wheel, get a little hamster on a wheel to power this thing up, and we'll make it happen. And I'm, I'm sure it'll be fun. And But on Friday, I'm very, very excited. We're going to do a special episode with Mr. Bill Federer. And how many of you know who Bill Federer is? Listen, if you're out there listening land, I want you to Google Bill Federer. Uh, truly a great, great man. I have the good fortune of knowing by name um, two of the greatest historians I think this country has ever known in David Barton and Bill Federer. I'm so fortunate. And Bill Federer is going to be on this radio show on Friday, uh, 4 o'clock. It'll be a 4 to 6 radio show, and we're going to talk to him as long as he'll talk. And, folks, I'm guessing that we're going to talk a whole lot about Islam. We're going to talk a whole lot about the truth about Islam. Listen, I'm I'm going to tell you that, and, and this makes me fiercely unpopular, but, you know, I just I just don't care anymore. ISIS is not our problem. ISIS is by no means our problem. 
Islam is our problem. And we need to start acknowledging that. We need to stop this this press unto political correctness because I've got a news flash. It's going to kill us. I also want to remind you we're honored to have uh, Anya Bellis of Southern Sense Talk Radio listening tonight. Um, I will be on her radio this Tuesday. So if you go to Blog Talk Radio, Google the Southern Sense or go to Southern sense.com all of that stuff that south carolina uh she she does her show out of south carolina great state of south carolina is obviously in the news a lot with the with the uh with the primary and and all that stuff going on we're in a, we're in a heck of a time so i'm going to be on her show and you know what? who knows we're just going to have a conversation and and you never know what might come out of that but she is an awesome radio lady and and i've listened to several of her shows and i'm honored to have her on her to be on her show and one of these days i'm going to have her on my show a great honor. So Monday, Tuesday, and Friday, you're going to have to listen to me, Monday, Tuesday, and Friday. And I'm, I'm sure I'll get on yours, but we'll see if, if we can't make it interesting for you. But I, w- I want you to understand that on Friday, we're going to rock your world. Bill Federer, Bill Federer and I are going to rock your world. We're going to change your paradigm. And then the question will come, what are you going to do about it? We're going to give you some solid things that you can do about it. Folks, I appreciate you joining us. Go to theninjapastor.com. If you uh, are encouraged by what we do and you want to help with that, then go to theninjapastor.com. There's a donate page. Just click on that. It's all secure. I don't even know actually how how it works at all, but um, I've had the top security people do it, and and it's secure. So we thank you so much for taking the time. For those of you who stuck with us through all the technical issues that we had tonight, thank you so much. We really appreciate that. It means a lot to me. And uh, in our going out, I, I want to encourage you to be blind enough to see. Be blind enough to see. Don't worry about things working out. Worry that you have the ear. That's something you can solve.
Join us next time for Sundays with Dr. Sean. And please follow this show and the Collision of Faith and Politics radio show during the week at www.blogtalkradio.com forward slash The Ninja Pastor. And follow Dr. Sean on Twitter at The Ninja Pastor and on Facebook at www.facebook.com forward slash God in Country Radio. And check out all the free messages, archive shows, and buy Dr. Sean's critically acclaimed book, Excellence Killed the Church, How Mediocrity is Destroying America, at www.drshawngreener.com. Join us during the week. And in the meantime, Dr. Sean will be fighting for you and for this great country. Thank you for joining us in this fight.